Welcome to the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today to discuss the Netflix series, First Kill, is Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. And Mo Walker. Welcome, Mo. I'm glad to be here, Luke. So, I like to discuss new series that show up on Netflix because... Netflix, sometimes you can have a Bridgerton or a Witcher or Stranger Things where you end up with this amazing series, you get to binge it all, and then you're like, wow, I just watched this amazing show. I can't wait for the next great product that Netflix puts out. So when they put out a new series, I like to discuss them. Well, they have a new one. It's about vampires and vampire hunters. It's called First Kill. Uh, The two primary young adult leads are, um, the character names are Juliet Fairmont and Calliope Burns. One is an original vampire descendant, and the other comes from a vampire hunter. Calliope is a vampire hunter. Juliet is an OG vampire descendant. Mel, first impression. My first impression was I can't get that hour of my life back. I So I didn't know anything about this series going into it. All I know is that I was supposed to watch it. Okay, let me go in, queue up Netflix, what we got? Okay, vampires, cool, 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 as I'm watching. And then I said, wait a minute, are these going to be pretty vampires? Because I don't like pretty vampires, okay? I, being a horror fan, I want my vampires to look like the Lost Boys or Fright Night, okay? They need to be ugly and chasing people. So this is pretty vampire, so I was already not feeling it too much. But um, I don't know. I guess I was feeling a little old. I was like, mm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm the demographic for this show. But I did. I followed it along and I watched. And, you know, it's a it's a coming of age story, really. If you're you're watching it, you know, you have a vampire, a family of vampires, a family of vampire hunters and two young ones who want to experience love. But you know, they also have duties to fulfill in their lives. And uh, Juliet is trying not to become a full-blown vampire. But at some point, you know, nature is going to take over. And you're going to have to bite someone, sweetheart. You're going to have to kill them. I don't know what to tell you. And Calliope is wanting to actually make that crossover and be a true vampire hunter and get her first kill. And and so it's it's, you know, two sides of... Not necessarily the same coin, but a similar coin. So um, I, I found interest in that, at least. Mo, first impression? You know, I appreciate the fact that this show undercut what we traditionally get, particularly with your CW Supernatural genre series. Now, yes, you know, as Mel said, that they are the pretty pretties, um, you know, but you know, at, at, to me, that's typical. Um, you know, did they sparkle? The vampires sparkle? No. I will say that the other monsters in this show were gruesome and and, and, and the ghouls. And, and, and there was another creature in the second episode, which was kind of that looked like a pus monster. I mean, I appreciate, you know, you got some nasty looking creatures. I will say and I will I will defend the show on on this point in particular. I think that it did a, the first episode really did a good job of pulling an okie doke on you because you thought that Juliet and Calliope, you know, were innocent. Each one coming, 
were innocent. Yeah, but no, 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 no. But here, the, the thing is, you just assume that each one, once they found out about their respective natures, they would automatically, you know, give into that attraction, especially, you know, with regard to Calliope. That did not that did not occur. What we got was something very violent, very visceral. You know, their first time, you know, in a first time makeout session. That was a nice little twist. And it was a great cliffhanger that I, I thought it had a great cliffhanger at the end. So to that point, I feel as if, you know, they gave us some interesting. The two lead actresses were really interesting characters. And I, and I thought that we got enough in that first episode, particularly when they cut back and um, showed things from Calliope's perspective leading up to the, I wouldn't necessarily call it fight, but, you know, lover's quarrel, whatever you want to call it at the end there. See, I disagree with you, Mo. I feel like there are certain formulas that the CW over the years with shows like Charmed and Supernatural, the original Vampire Diaries, that those shows perfected a formula that balanced intrigue, action, and chemistry between your characters who are supposed to be your love interests. This show was the slowest thing that I've watched since Naomi. And Naomi was pretty darn slow. I don't know what it is about this new generation of genre shows where so many of them, genre and superhero shows, where so many of them just, you sit there and you're like, you're literally sitting there twiddling your thumbs. There was so much voiceover angst. And that's the other thing that is happening. You got We got a little bit of that with Elena back in the Vampire Diaries, but it was not excessive like this was. There was so much voiceover. I wanted to like it. I love vampire mythologies, and I don't even mind pretty vampires. Like, I will watch... I will watch pretty much any variation of vampire unless we end up with ones that are really gross that have like these mouthfuls of ugly teeth that make them look yeah. like uh, those yeah, yeah. are the ones that I don't watch. But like if, you have, like if you have normal things like a set of two or a set of four, depending on how you're doing it, I can watch that. It, like I can I can handle some creepy, ugly, but I'm not there for like the truly grotesque vampire. And so I should be interested in this, but there was so much voiceover and it moved so slow. I feel like there could have been multiple different ways to introduce both of these characters using the same basic premise without so much voiceover. It was exhausting. What did you guys think of the chemistry of the two leads, Calliope and Juliet? Mo, because regardless of the voiceovers that both of them had excessively, they both, for me, I thought they both had chemistry. What did you think? Yeah, no, no. They, I think they definitely had had chemistry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just wanted to say, like, you know, you had this, you know, rant about, you know, 
Get off my lawn with your newfangled vampire superhero show. Well, but it's not. But like, okay, it's not. It's not that it needs to be newfangled. Like I'm up for new concepts. But the, when you watch the first episode of Supernatural and how the Winchester brothers are sucked into their becoming hunters, that is very powerful, very dramatic, and it hooks you. When you watched Elena in the Vampire Diaries. And you had her story about her attraction to Stefan and the accident that happened that led her and her brother to being orphaned. That is a powerful storyline. And there was a wonderful balance between action and drama. If you look at this, I felt like this was so I'm about to say something that could get me in big trouble. But early sex in the city early Sex in the City, like season one, episode one or two. Sometimes if you go back and watch those episodes, for me, there's too much voiceover in that. And I love Sex in the City. This felt to me like both of these were Carrie Bradshaw's. One was a vampire and one was a hunter. And all they were doing was talk, 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 talking. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And then we deal with these family scenes that just get really drug out. Like, did we really need to know about this other blonde vampire that she wanted to be like? Did we need that much time? Did we need that much time sit with the adults around the table and her just listening to them yammer? Like, no. There is a, I feel like with young adult series, whether it is on, ABC Family, now Freeform, Motherland, Fort Salem. When that first came out, great blend of action and drama. And you and you were there for the characters. I, I just feel like whatever's going on today with young adult supernatural and or superhero shows, they're trying these new things and it just ends up being boring. Well, I will say, I I think First Kill moved a lot quicker and a lot more happened in that first episode than what we got in that pile of Naomi. So I... I, I that, that cemetery fight scene, and here's another thing. Now... We all, well, most of us, I can't speak for Mel because she might have been a little bit young at that point, but we all have fond memories of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Sarah Michelle Gellar. But if you go back and watch the first seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, this was before they had good budgets and this was back in the late 90s. And that is not necessarily the prettiest of like CGI and fight scene coordination because they're getting it all figured out early on for Buffy. This cemetery graveyard fight scene felt like a really bad knockoff of season one Buffy. Ouch. (laughs) Oh, Lord. You are coming out with the double barrels tonight, Luke. Um, Well, and then I was disappointed because I thought from the trailers on Netflix... I got Kelly Rutherford and Elizabeth Mitchell mixed up. So I thought it was going to be Kelly Rutherford as the mother. And I struggled with Elizabeth Mitchell on Lost. And so then when I realized that it wasn't Kelly Rutherford and it was in fact Elizabeth Mitchell, 
I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just got sucked into this thinking it was Kelly Rutherford and it's Elizabeth Mitchell, who was one of the most difficult characters for me to like on Lost. It was painful. When Mel said that she didn't know how she could get that hour of her life back, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I really wholeheartedly no. agree. Look, I don't I know. Shut it off 30 minutes in. I was almost like, I can't do this. I'm not watching the rest of this, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, no, I said I was going to watch it. I'm going to stick it through. Mm-hmm. It was hard to get through. I don't know. It, what, so ha, have you all, either one of you ever read what it reminded me of, which ironically ties into Naomi, is a Brian Michael Bendis ultimate spider-man comic because he does a lot he would do and this comic is nearly 20 years old at this point but would do a lot of these same narrative tricks that were done um in this first episode and we would get the equivalent of voiceover and and so i i get the fact that i think voiceover is an overused trope and but i think that perhaps you know, a, maybe maybe in film and talk, maybe there there's a faction of people, and particularly maybe in in that particular demo who who connect with that and they feel like it's a short it's a shortcut to providing information, getting into the character's head. I can I can take it or leave it. I don't need you know that much of it, but I mm-hmm. can deal with it. You don't need a lot of it because the goal is always to show people what your story is about rather than tell them. And if you're doing voiceover, you're telling people what the story is. And that's not the way to go. No, no, I, I totally agree. But I feel like they're channeling like, you know, as you said, Luke, you know, you brought back Carrie Bradshaw. To me, I'm thinking like Meredith Grey. I mean, like literally. Meredith Grey has less voiceover than those people did. It was those almost all. The Greys. There was a lot. But, yeah. but there was way more from like. You get at the early seasons of Grey, the format has stayed the same. She opens it and she ends it with the voiceover. This was out of a, I don't know, I'm just estimating a 50 minute episode. There was a good 35 minutes of voiceover. It was excessive. (laughs) Well, okay. So I will say that the show looked nice. I mean, in terms of sets and, um, a uh, uh, wardrobe and I, I think it did look nice I mean I'm trying to find something <laughs> it was pretty it was yeah. it's true yeah everybody was pretty I, and everybody was paid too because who high school I'm like damn y'all in high school like this hell yeah I know <laughs> yeah so, so so I I will I think from a, outside of the cemetery scene because i do feel like there was like this one bit of that cemetery scene where they actually had that the tombstones and so forth when uh Calapi's brothers were fighting those schools um yeah it did look yeah it did like take me back to like early here's, buff. here's the thing if you look at a more recent series that even now is older teen wolf on mtv did it way better. Same premise. You have, but it's werewolves and hunters because the Argents were hunters, and you had Teen Wolf. 
that execution was way better. This doesn't even, like, this felt like a bad knockoff of Buffy set in 2022. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It and, was giving me Twilight vibes. That was me. No, I don't. It doesn't give me Twilight vibes because there aren't really hunters in Twilight for me. Okay, because of the fact that the consensus, at least amongst two out of three of us, is that it was pretty darn bad. An abbreviated episode of the Geek Confidential podcast. Um, Mel, out of five stars. Ooh, uh, uh, two. I'm going to be nice. Mo. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna get roasted. Um, uh, I'll give it three point uh, two five. I mm. no longer trust your opinion on anything, Mo. <laughs> hold, on, hold, hold on, I can defend. See, I am giving. I am giving this a one. Ooh. On that note, we would encourage you to weigh in on this podcast at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Akles. Mo is at Dr. Mo 77 Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Hey, it wasn't humans bad.